This is episode number four of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. Uh, it's great to have you. I hope you're enjoying the uh, episodes. I'm really, really excited to bring them to you all. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you for sharing your earbuds with me and taking the time to listen. As always, we've got another rocking interview for you. Uh, today it is with Kamal Ravikant. Kamal is a best-selling author tech entrepreneur and investor. He's quite well known out of Silicon Valley. We talk about what it takes to have a winning pitch when you're asking and pitching for money. We, This is a really all around about, you know, we cover all sorts of topics in this interview and uh, it was a really, really cool conversation. Kamal actually hit rock bottom at one stage he was bedridden, he was extremely depressed, and he uh, somehow turned his whole life around. And uh, yeah, he talks about that whole process that he went through and uh, how he wrote two best-selling books. Yeah, he really goes into how he sprung back and, and what it takes to build a successful business. Kamal is a very deep and, and spiritual person, very, very interesting guy. And it's not something you would expect from a big guy out of tech from Silicon Valley, but uh, he's extremely wise and, and has invested in himself so much and has built some massive companies and uh, shares a ton of gold with you today, especially around investing, building a successful company and how loving yourself saved his life. So that's it from me and uh, let's jump into this interview, the musings of Kamal Ravikant. Enjoy. Today I'm speaking to Kamal Ravikant. Kamal's a tech entrepreneur, investor, and author of the best-selling books, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It, and Live Your Truth. Kamal, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Hey, thanks for having me and being so patient, actually, in tracking me down. <laughs> it's all good. It's what I do. Sometimes I've sent people seven, eight emails, all different forms of contact to get in touch with them, and 
you know, persistence pays off. <laughs> I think if you just make that your motto, you've nailed it. <laughs> and most things, really, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that, to me, like, um, I actually did a talk about a month or so ago, and, and I said that uh, one of the common denominators from, you know, the 100 plus entrepreneurs that I've had the privilege to speak to, and it's persistence. They just don't give up. They just don't let it go. They, they keep trying and they make it work and they just want it bad enough. Yeah, it's, I mean, persistence or if you want to call it focus. You know, I sometimes wonder about some of the choices I've made where I was so persistent and I went after things and they didn't work out and I, and I kept beyond it and kept beyond it where I sometimes maybe it would have been better to let go, like you're a dog just hanging on to a bone and it's time to let go of the bone. So I've been trying to learn that lesson as well. Or sometimes It's like there's this persistence, right? But there's also being open. You know, one of the best things I've learned in, like, in invest, the investing I do now is I try not to have an ego and just be, mm-hmm. you know, learn from like better investors than me. And so no matter how much I may be in love with some company, if they don't care for it, they're better track records, I'll let it go. And I'd rather be, I'd rather be proven wrong as, and, you know, by the right people. That's been a very good lesson, actually, because it, it is a natural inclination when you're building anything. You just stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. And that is when the great things happen. That's when, uh, but sometimes there is a time when you have, I think if the words would be persistence and maybe staying open or, or surrender to, um, well, how things are. Does that make sense? Kind um, of. All right. Let me think about it. I'll give you a particular example okay. uh, that I was just thinking about recently. So when I was building my last company, I remember at one point I was negotiating with this person who became one of our main partners. And I ended up basically betting the company on our relationship with this partner. And when that, when that person pulled out, it basically you know, catered the company. Now, when I was negotiating with this person originally, I came from a place of lack. And you know, like in a negotiation, the person who actually is willing to walk away is the one who wins the negotiation, always. The one who wants mm-hmm. it the least wins. Uh, wins. Right. Mm. And so the negotiation I did was a poor negotiation where I gave up too much to this person. You know, that's how I started the relationship by letting him know that you're too important and I will just cater to every need. Where if I've come from a place of, listen, I'm creating something valuable and I'm offering this to you. Let's, I want you to be a part of it, but I'm not going to let you take advantage of me or take advantage of it. I think things would have been very different. And if that person had walked away, I think I probably the company wouldn't have worked out very early on and I would have decided I may have decided to shut it down back then and save myself a whole bunch of trouble when the person did walk away two years later you know mm. so I think in that case I should have been open to the partners I was dealing with and where they were coming from you know and they were coming from a place off they would wanted to grab as much as they can right which is which never makes a good partner right yeah so in that negotiation I should have realized that I should have stayed firm to listen this is what I'm willing to give for the health of the company and this is what I'm, you know, and this is fair and reasonable. Anything beyond that, let's walk away. And mm. I really, looking back, that would have actually led to a better outcome. Even if things didn't work out, they, would have, they wouldn't have worked out fast, right? And, and it would have been done. Rather than I came from a place of basically lack and weakness, and I gave up too much in the beginning, and that set the tone of the relationship. Those business relationships never work. Yeah, no, you know, I understand now. I see. So that's something I've been thinking about recently, actually, just a few days ago. So mm. since we're talking, I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting because, yeah, Seth Godin wrote this fascinating book called The Dip. It's tried to teach you when to quit. Oh, interesting. And, I'll have to um, check it out. 
he tries to help you and work out when to quit. And he it says about how quitting is actually underrated. And most people quit in a lot of things. It's just you just don't realize it. So, yeah, no, it's a really interesting little book. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of, I think sometimes letting go, our ego gets so attached to what we're doing that it becomes our you know, becomes who we are and then we're afraid to let it go because then what does that say about us, right? So there's, there's, a, there's a balance there and I'm still working on figuring out that balance. And I think in the end, the balance comes from, it happens more naturally when you, when you come from a place of like, I'm on purpose, this is what I'm doing. And if it's, you know, and I will only work with people who are willing to be fair and equitable versus mm-hmm. coming from a place of lack, like, please, I, want, I need to work with you and I'll do whatever it takes. Right. Mm, I agree. So let's uh, rewind things. I'd like to talk to you about redefining success and, and what it means for you and your journey. But let's go back and, and find out where you started as an entrepreneur. And, and can you give us a, a roundabout short insight into your journey? Sure. I mean, I never set out to be an entrepreneur you know like there's some people who are like natural entrepreneurs since they were little kids i don't mm. think that was i was one of them yeah i kind of what i did was i moved out here to silicon valley during the first dot-com boom like this is even pre-google and all of that like and helped build some very interesting things here and what what that taught me was the power of just we were creating the internet right that this all the stuff we were creating had never existed before and at that time, you could just jump into something and do it. And I, I joined this company called Halfion, which became WebMD. And I built some very interesting stuff there. And at the whole time, it was just like, give Kamal whatever, and he will get it done. Because I was so excited. I just wanted to do everything. Mm. And it showed me just the power of just like being in this industry where you are creating something new, something that didn't exist before. And there was something. And then and millions of people get to use it. You know, something very beautiful about that. And so I've stayed here since. And... You know, the best in the world come here. It's like you never get you never get stale because you're surrounded by new blood that comes in all the time. And you know, some of the smartest people just just when you think you're smart enough, you meet some you know someone will come in and just blow you out of the water. Mm. It's it's great. And uh, you know what I did, what I've done, and I think this is like a great hack, or maybe this is the answer, is to surround yourself with entrepreneurs. You know, this whole area is full of nothing but entrepreneurs. So like, you can't help but become one. You know, like everyone, like like they say in Hollywood, everyone's got a every waiter's got a like a screenplay, you mm. know, back pocket. Here, everyone's got a startup or an app, and really, like I'm, <laughs> like my doctor from a couple of years ago, you know, started a company and a startup, and like you can't help it because everyone around you is doing it, and you just get to start to see them. And you used to think, well, if they can do it, you know, because I think a lot of entrepreneurship is we don't think enough of ourselves or we don't think we know enough. But once you start surrounding yourself with people who are just doing it, you realize, well, maybe I can. And it just rubs off on you. I mean, literally everyone who comes here eventually will have some, will have, will be part of startup or will start one. It's really funny how that works. And so that I think was my real entrepreneurship journey was I was fortunate enough to pick Silicon Valley and, and be a part of it. Over the years with the last company I built, which was an ad network, I got to meet some very interesting internet marketers, which is a whole different world I didn't know. And I've made friends in that industry, you know, some really good people there. And so I've gotten to see how they're entrepreneurs in a very different way than we are. We build products and companies. They, when I say products, I mean like Skype. We're using Skype. Skype would be a product. Whereas they build more like information courses, and that's their product. And they, you know, they, whereas like I would lock myself in, a, in my room at Google for a week, and I would be an expert, you know, but they will actually do that, but then they will sell it, right? 
and mm. it'll be valuable. And so that's shown that's a whole different kind of entrepreneurs, and some of them are very, very smart people. They're very good at marketing, sharing this information. So I've learned a lot from them. I think the key really is, I think I've talked about this before, if you want to be fit, don't surround yourself with people who are not fit. Don't surround yourself with people who want to be fit. Surround yourself with people who are fit. Guaranteed you will become fit. Guaranteed. Because we just, we're just social creatures. We're, we're pack creatures. We rub off on each other. And you want to step up to the people you're surrounded by. It's just a natural social instinct we have. So yeah, that's my, been my entrepreneurship journey, actually. Just being surrounded by some of the best in the world in Silicon Valley. Wow. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, some things that you've built? Your own companies and stuff like that? Yeah, so I helped build Healthbeyond, which became WebMD. And, I, and uh, I left about, I think, a year or two after I went public. Did some very interesting products there. Then I've done stuff with companies that really haven't gone anywhere. I've advised in companies. I would say the best known one would be WebMD because everyone knows that one. The rest are all small ones. Some fail, some don't. And these days, you know, I just I, I don't want to start companies anymore. It's too much work. <laughs> it's just brutal. Too much work. I've done it enough. So that's why I'm doing the investing. I run a small venture fund, and I'm just very focused investment fund with. You know, and I advise some companies because I, you know, if you've been doing something for a very long time and you're relatively smart, you know just how to get things done. So, so I advise companies and um, I invest in companies. On the investing piece, what what is the one thing you look for when you when you're speaking to entrepreneurs that are that are pitching you for money? Well, it's actually interesting. I how I do it is a little bit different than a lot of funds. Like my whole thing is, I never want to be the smartest guy at the table. I want to be the dumbest guy at the table. So I go along with like really, really smart investors who've already vetted some companies. You know, investors with amazing track records. And then when I talk to entrepreneurs, you know, I look at them as an entrepreneur. And in the end, you know, what it comes down to is a person. Can they pull this off? You know, there's lots of great mm. ideas out there, right? But in the end, it's one thing we've learned here. It's all execution. No one here funds ideas anymore. You will not get idea funded unless you're like Elon Musk or something, right, who, have, <laughs> who has it. Yeah. I mean, really, unless you have that kind of track record, you can't go to investors and say, I have, this, I have this great idea for an app. I mean, you will just hear the sound of door slamming, right? You have to basically, because now it's so easy to build something and so cheap that you need basically product. You need a product. You need, even if it's a minimal viable product, right, like a, but a basic product. And yeah. you need to show traction in the market that the product is for, that the, the market does want it, and you have the ability to actually be able to get the market to take it, right? Mm. So those are the things you look for, mainly product traction, then obviously you look at the size of the market and the, and the current certain things tend to be hot, so you know like if, if you get in the top ones in there, they'll probably get sold and make a lot of money. So you look at all those factors, but in the end, it's always a people business. You know, everything is a people business, especially in investing. You're betting on people, you're betting on the founders, it's the rare, there are a few companies here that have succeeded despite themselves, you know, despite the founders, but those are really the exceptions. I, most great things are, become great because of the people who build them. Hmm. Yeah, look, um, it's, it's really, it's, this is fascinating stuff because I actually had a friend that, that went down to Silicon Valley and uh, he tried to get money, obviously, and he didn't get any money down there. And he said that, his biggest challenge and struggle that he had was that he wasn't proven. He hadn't built anything before. Like even right. though he, he did have, he believed market validation, you know, people, you know, didn't know anyone. And that, that's what he said. He said that was his biggest challenge. What's your thoughts on that? 
Well, there's two things. One is, yeah, if, you, if you're a proven commodity, if you just look at the data, people who have sold a company before are more likely to build one that they can sell again. This is from an invest, investment standpoint. Because building something like that is so hard, it's so much different things happening, that if you've gone through it once, odds are you won't make, you've learned through your mistakes, mm. right? Versus you're funding someone who's going to learn through the mistakes with your money, right? Because your job as an investor is to get a return on capital and get a mm. high return on capital because most startups, like 90-something percent startups, fail. Yeah. And that's one of the little secrets that most people don't realize. Like literally 90-something percent of startups fail. You know that as an investor. So like you need like to have some serious big hits to make money as an investor. So for him, being unproven, it definitely makes sense. But there's something else. If you're unproven, if you're someone from, I don't know, just Timbuktu, whatever, just you, you just crawled <laughs> out of a cave, or you build an app and all of a sudden it's getting a million dollars a day, you will get people begging you to invest in you. Mm. So you ha- you, it's not just market validation. You have to prove that if you can prove that I've created something special, people will jump on board to help you. Mm. So maybe he didn't have that level or he, hasn't, he hadn't shown it in a way that he thought he had. You know, because the people here are very smart, and we've been doing it for a long time. It's almost standardized. You can look at products and figure out what are the challenges going to be and so forth. So, you know, you have to learn to say like, you know, a hundred or a thousand no's for every yes, because there's so many opportunities to invest in. So there are certain things you learn, especially when you run a venture fund, because you have LPs, you know, they're investors in my fund. I work for them. So my job is to make them a lot of money, right? Yeah. What are LPs? LP is a limited partner, just like an um, investor invests money in a company, and yes. LP invests money in a venture fund. I see. So those are the people that basically you work for. Right? Mm. Your job is to make them, you know, make them a lot of money on the money they, they invest in your fund. So you have to basically say no to most things. So with your friend, yes, the fact that he wasn't known definitely doesn't help. But in that case, you know, Coming to Silicon Valley as an, as an unknown to raise money, not, it's not necessarily the best answer. Always raise money in the beginning from your home base, from friends and family. If mm. you can't show that you're the people who know you're going to invest in you, why would strangers invest in you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, really, think about yeah. it. I mean, if he showed he was able to scrabble some money together and get a product and get traction and it was growing, and, and I'll bet you he would get funding. Mm. Yeah, because then, the, then, you know, the other side of the table, which is interesting, is is I had another friend that went over there and he said it was crazy how, how easy it was. Huh? He said he met somebody at a nightclub and they were going to give him over 100K or something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is, it's actually really frothy boom times. It's amazing <laughs> the stuff that's getting funded. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to, but basically if you want to stack the odds in your favor, the best way to do is create something of value, get it out to the market, show consistent traction. That's different than market validation. Market validation is research. You know, that's just part of the homework. That does not get you funding. That should not get you funding unless you are like a proven commodity. You know, the thing is, everybody wants to invest in you when you already have a measure of success. It's kind of funny how that works, right? Mm. So just, just stack the odds in your favor and have a little measure of success and people, people will want to join. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you're right. So... Let's talk about success and, mm-hmm. and redefining it. I'd like to say a quote from your book. We don't stumble accidentally into an amazing life. This is from Live Your Truth, uh-huh. by the way. We don't stumble accidentally into an amazing life. It takes a conscious commitment to figuring out what we stand for, finding our truth. 
It begins by looking inside ourselves because when it rises from within, we have no choice but to express it, to live it. That is when the magic happens. Yeah, that is one of the key things I've learned in life. And I wish I'd learned it earlier. You know, because for the longest time, I thought success was a number. And that's mm. what I worked towards. The problem is if you work towards a number, you work towards something that you, you start to lose faith in and you don't believe in anymore, it gets really hard versus something that's full-on expression of you, something that's come from within you. That, that You know, it's like when, when things come from inside of you and you decide who you are, what you stand for, you know, it changes your life. Because if it's from comes from inside you, no one can take it away from you, and you can't you know BS your way out of it. I'm I'm like the I'm like the best bullshitter for myself that I know, and but yet, but if something you figured out on your own, you can't bullshit it away. You have to live it, and when you're not living it, you know, right? And you let yourself down, and eventually we we all want to rise, and we 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 go back to what our truth is. And and the funny enough, you know, so here's what I learned, like. So I've been part of some very interesting companies out here. And then, you know, my last company when I built and it blew up, I lost everything. You know, I, I, you know, I was in serious debt and I was really sick. And I had to, when I got out of it, I had to sit, sit down and re-examine, you know, what that meant. But I, I thought I had failed. But I wrote that book, The Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And purely, it was nothing to try to make any money or anything. It was purely to share what I had figured out that actually saved me, that actually made me come back from like from, from rock bottom, physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything, right? And it was purely to share it, and I really thought I was going to be a big laughing stock because no one wrote, wrote about that in the Valley at the time. And here I was, my company had crashed, I had crashed, people, had, you know, and here I was writing a little book telling about, hey, I had figured out the, the meaning of life after it, right? I published that book, I self-published it and I really didn't, you know, I've said this before and I keep it repeating it because it still blows my mind. I really did not expect to sell more than eight or 10 copies. And I think I was going to buy eight of them. Uh, (laughs) It was purely to share with my friends, like people I love that, listen, I figured something very important out I want to share with you. And, you know, within five weeks of no more, you know, being out and no marketing, it was the number one self-help book on Amazon. It changed my life seeing Mm. what the power of just being your full on, self when you give to the world you know I, I gave a product i gave a product of value i put it out there and the world took it and ran with it right yeah. that book that little book allowed me to then actually start paying my bills too so i could actually start working on building a venture fund otherwise i would have had to go work for someone to pay off my bills right mm. and i wouldn't have been able to build a venture fund that's the gift it gave me and it came purely from a place of giving something that was purely mine i mean that's that's success that's something that is like something is something beautiful to experience when it's when it's yours when you're giving to the world and, and the world responds. I think that's the best kind of success you can have. I think those two books are truly like two two of the best things I've done in my life. They're truly the best things I've done in my life so far because a lot of the things I did before they were you know they were ego driven. They were um, trying to you know either live up to other people's expectations of me or society expectation or whatever or trying to like you know, trying to make money or trying to create a company so that I would be like, who knows what, what people would think of me. Because a lot of entrepreneurs I know, you know, they start off as entrepreneurs because it's from a lack of self-esteem. You almost have like a need to prove something, prove yourself worthy, right? Yeah. Versus if you come from a place where you're just giving and you are worthy and, and the world responds, that's amazing. That is success. Because if you still have the self-worth issues, no matter how much you make, it'll never be enough or you'll still have your issues. And ironically, I think things work a lot. At least in my experience, things that work so much better when I come from just a place of giving than they do where I'm just doing it for myself. 
I think even if you if you use what like just just coming from a place of giving in any product you create or, or the service you're providing, like how much how much level of va- more value would you give instead of how am I going to take money from this person? How can I, you know, find something out that they want? Yeah, because honestly, you know, like I know how to write. I worked many years to teach myself to be a, a really good writer. I could have written many different books that I know would have sold that I could have done, you know, Google search, keyword searches and so forth and know like this is the kind of book that will sell. So I would have written that, but never would have put me on the map the way this little book where I just poured my heart out. Yeah, that, that's a, such an amazing experience, you know, and it's really been a life changing experience. Like these kind of things where, where you're not going for what, the, what you think the market wants. You're just going for what you have to say, what you have to give. What I've also found really interesting is, is you wrote Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It and mm-hmm. you said you had a friend that, um, you know, w- wanted to try to do what you did with your life and really, I guess, evolve and, and really accept yourself and love yourself and it didn't work for that friend. So you realized that it was your, your truth that you were saying. Yeah, because what? Because the love yourself thing. I mean, the book. You know, I get emails every day from people that's changing their lives. You know, because the practice is very simple. It's exactly distilled down what I did to get out of where I was, and it really works. But for some people, it doesn't. And what I realized was because if something comes from inside of you, like like we mentioned before, then you can't hide from it anymore. Which is why actually I wrote the second book, which was more a meditative guide, so that by the time you were done. You were convinced from the inside out that your truth had to come out. And whatever that is, is you have to live it. So mm. whether it was my truth or not, because you can take someone, what someone tells you, make it your truth. That's fine. But it has to be, if you can make it your own. And I, and I referenced to the samurai book uh, written Miyamoto Mushashi called The Book of Five Rings, which is like the ultimate classic in samurai literature. He was the most successful undefeated samurai of all time. And he was self-taught. You know, and the guy survived like I think like four major battles and sixty one-on-one battles. You know, where you fight to the death, right? Oh, yeah. Self-taught, and and by at the end of his life, he wrote this book called The Book of Five Rings. And it's actually a great book, and it's about sword fighting, but really, it's about the mind. It's about fear, and he always t- he keeps on saying like, "You must." I'm going to paraphrase badly, but like, you got to figure this out yourself. You can't just take what I'm telling you. You got to take it and make it your own. That's how you're going to be a great sword fighter. A great samurai. Same thing in anything. You know, you take it and you make it your own. You, you add your special twist to it. And then, then it's yours. I mean, you know, it, that's when the magic happens. Can you give us a rundown on what exactly happened to you and what led you to write the first book? Because I think that's an important part of your, your journey and, and your story. Sure. So my last company was building it. Basically worked for like, you know, the, the persistence thing. I worked at, I think I, it was almost four years nonstop. I built that company mm. uh, with my own money, you know, co-founders coming and going, people burning out, just continuing on. So it was doing, that finally was doing very well. And then the thing blew up. And in the process, I hadn't taken uh, like one weekend off in at least three years. I think I finally started to give my team Sundays off, but I never took them, you know, never took a full day off. No, actually, I, took, I think I took one short one long one weekend in three years or three and a half years and so you know and I was always under stress always just trying to make the thing work 
I, and then when the thing was falling apart, I just got really, really sick. It turns out I just, I'd been sick for a long time. I just haven't, I just thought it was stress. I hadn't bothered to take care of myself. And then a lot of other things happened at the same time, just all life stuff that just nothing good was happening. My company fell apart. My relationships fell apart. My health fell apart. You know, I was just locked in my bedroom, miserable out of my mind. You know, I was suicidal to works, you know, if you really want to go into it. My company had become my extension of myself. You know, it was my, my ego. It was like everyone, like I was going to, you know, make this great company and everyone was going to, I don't know, love me because I'd succeeded so well or whatever. And instead, you know, when I was so locked up in my bedroom and I think one morning I woke up and I decided I can't do this anymore. I'm going to get out of this or die trying. I just can't live like this. And I sat down and made a vow to myself. And the vow was to love myself. And it's in the book, exactly the whole wow, vow. And I'm a big believer that once you commit in something, you go all in. You figure, you, know, you just do. I'm not a guy who used to believe in even the word love. So it kind of surprised me to, to write a vow to myself to do that. But because I made the vow, I decided to do it. And I worked on many different ways to do it. And I noticed some worked. And, and I just went further into them. They're the same kind of startup A-B testing. I was A-B testing in my head. <laughs> really, I kid you not, you know? Yeah. Until I figured out some things that made me feel better. And then, boy, but within 30 days... I was better, my health was better, everything was better. And all I was doing was just working on my inside, which mm. kind of really opened up a huge paradigm shift for me. It's like rather than trying to fix my outside, just fix my inside. And that shifts your whole outside. So that's the story behind that. And so like when I was, when I was better, I shared it with you know, what I was doing, the practice. And then I read up on, on a lot of neuroscience and so forth and other things, and I shared with them the theories behind it after the fact, after I'd actually just done it was when I went and looked and why would this kind of stuff work and it really helped them and so like they basically you know dragged me kicking and screaming to write this book and you've done some cool things man like you <laughs> like you know you were in the U.S. Army you meditated with Tibetan monks in the Dalai Lama's monastery yeah. you've done some cool things and it's interesting that like it is interesting that it's got to that point yeah it kind of goes to show you the human self man we're, we're all we're all fighting our internal battles you know, that like no one's got, I've met, I don't think anyone's got their, quote unquote, their shit together 100% of the time. Mm. You know, we're human beings stuck in human minds walking around in a human world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been fortunate, but, but all those things, all those things I've done, you know, they were all like, the best things I've done, I think, when I've taken risks, like joined the U.S. Army, you know, like was a risk. I dropped out of college, I left college to go do it. Even all the backpacking and the Tibetan monks and the Himalayas and all that, those are what... You know, you're you're in a, you're Australian, so you guys do that every you know every Australian does that. You know, the, oh, I don't know about that. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a huge stereotype, mate. It's a huge one, but I'll tell you, when I've traveled, I've met plenty of you guys. You know, like and girls out there versus Americans. There's less mm. less of that there, and those are great experiences. But I think the best experiences I've really had have been the internal ones, the ones the ones that I got into. You know, those are the ones that really change your life. I really do believe any measure of success I'm having now are, are an exact result of that, of working on the inside. Interesting. Something that you said that, is, that has captured me, me personally, and um, I was just like, wow, this guy is amazing. He's a really interesting <laughs> guy. It was, you said that uh, the best memories are made when you take that leap of faith yeah. and not know if the net's going to catch you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we go through life every day just stuck in our routines. I mean, I'm very guilty of it. And what are the moments that we remember, right? When we did, 
step up. Or we did do something different when we took the risk. Whether it was when I took the risk to move to Silicon Valley, it was a big risk. I left, you know, I was in upstate New York, and actually a friend of mine. I was talking about the gym. I was telling him I was thinking about doing it. He's and I was kind of on the fence, and he looked at me. He said, "Kamal, leap and the and the net will appear." And I don't know what it was about that, but I, that just stuck with me. I was like, "Okay, I'll do it." And that's actually what I've learned to do these things. And I moved out here, and it, it, and it I didn't get a job for two months. And just when I was about to give up was when I went healthy on it. Just worked out. Then they were all chasing me. But I wouldn't have experienced that if I hadn't taken the leap of selling everything, giving up my life there, and just buying a one-way ticket out of California and doing it, right? Mm. And look, that changed my life. Same thing with the book. I took a huge risk with writing the Love Yourself book. I really thought I was going to be just sent out of here, tarred and feather on a donkey. You know, like people would just make fun of me and so forth. It was, it was really, but I had to give, right? Huge risk, huge jump. That jump changed my life. Right. I've, I've spoken a stage a few times and uh, that terrifies the bejesus out of me. I mean, you should see. Oh, like, really? Oh, my goodness. Like the, I've only spoken a stage a couple of times. But I remember the first time I did and I think that the Love Entrepreneurship video on YouTube that does well. I went to the bathroom five times before I went on stage. I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I was like absolutely terrified. But look, going up on stage and doing that really allows me to give and just be myself, and which is why I went and did it. And it was great. The experiences from that and the results from that have been amazing. So I think that's when the great things in life happen. You know, like we almost, it's almost like we should make a habit of jumping off cliffs. Because in the end, you know, like <laughs> even if we hit the ground, you know, we get up and we dust our bruises off and we walk forward. But now we have the knowledge of the, that I'm a person who can jump off cliffs, which is a great thing to know by yourself. So we have to work towards wrapping things up, man. I'd just like to to kind of have some things that listeners can take away as as entrepreneurs listeners and listeners and readers are, are people that are interested in entrepreneurship or at the early stages of, of building their business and company what are what are two action items that you would like to give that people can take away from your your skills and experience okay i'd say one would be what i mentioned before is surround yourself with entrepreneurs better than you Mm. Right. You want to be a good entrepreneur, whatever measure of success you want to have and however you want to define it, surround yourself with people who have that better. You will actually become that. That just, just is the nature of how things work. And I think the second is, if you can, make sure that whatever you're doing is some measure of an expression of you, of who you are. Because, you know, entrepreneurship is a great journey. It's a wonderful journey. You, you know, it's who you become in the process. Versus the bank account or the other things, because those go up and down and, you know, there's a hard to predict. But who you become in the process is, because like, for example, I know, I know friends who, you know, every great, really great entrepreneur I know, if they lost all their money today, I bet you within a year they would have like 10x more than what they had. What is, what is, what makes, yeah, yeah, because it's who you become. Once you do something and you learn, you realize you get that confidence in yourself that I am able to do this. Yeah, you can ship. Yeah, you can ship. Like, so I'll ship another product. I will do this. I've done it before. I will figure it out. That's an amazing mindset to have, that I will figure it out. In fact, I think that's one of my best, best attributes for myself is like, whatever I get thrown in, I will figure it out. And, you know, any one of us can. Just having that mindset that I will figure it out and just diving into it because you don't know what's going to be down the rabbit hole until you're actually in it. But, you know, the one thing that really, now I think I might be diverging, but... 
But if whatever you do, if you can have it as being an expression of you, it's going to drive you forward in a way that nothing else can. Like the books were, a pre- uh, were an expression of me, for example. Right? Mm. And like the company was in the beginning, the last company. But when it stopped being, I should have walked away. Rather, I kept on going because of the, the prize at the end of the tunnel. Right? And then it became about the money and so forth. And when you do that, you stop making poor decisions. You know, whereas if it's you, you're going to make better decisions. When you wrote your books, you, you made yourself very vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Honestly, I didn't think of that. All I knew was I, I had to strip my ego out of the books for me to really share what, what, was, what mattered. If I was going to give, I had to give, you know, give the right way. Otherwise, not do it at all. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Kamal. Oh, thank you. Same here. We've gone up and back and all around. It hasn't been a really structured interview, <laughs> but it's been a whole ton of fun because we're just kind of having a conversation and just what kind of springs up where we're, we're tackling it, you know? Yeah, um, that's the best interviews. Thanks for having me. And if you come to the U.S., look me up. Yeah, I will for sure. So, yeah, look, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I hope the people listening to this, reading this, you know, got something out of it. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.